Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello folks, you're all very welcome back to the Salic Soul podcast with myself, Andrew Millen in the hot seat. My special guest on the show today will be former Ireland and Celtic coach Steve Walford. This episode has been kindly sponsored by Aaron Skipar, Drogheda. Thanks very much to Eugene for his continued support of both the fanzine and now the podcast. If your business or Celtic Supporters Club would like to support the podcast and become a sponsor, please email us at info at celticfanzine.com or you can contact us through the website or through social media. Special shout out to regular listener Jackie Meaton over in Canada. Jackie is well known for his work within the North American Federation of Celtic Supporters Clubs and his connection with the Las Vegas Convention. Jackie suffered a mild stroke and is in hospital at the moment, but even in hospital, Jackie is supporting the hoops. On Sunday from his bed, his son-in-law, Tommy, brought him in his iPad so he could watch the match. Thanks to his daughter, Linz, for the updates. Get well soon, Jackie, and you'll be out soon for a well-earned Bacardi and Coke. Another game, another lockdown, and another dance around the sitting room for myself. And we're now in a cup final. A cup final to look forward to as we go for 12 domestic trophies in a row. What a remarkable achievement it would be if we could do that quadruple treble. Ryan Christie, you darling. What a goal. Pure quality with an assist from Tom Rodgick who played out of his skin, I must say. If Christie was man of the match, then Tom Rodgick deserves an honourable mention for his performance and for the ball he gave into Mo to score the second goal from the back post. It was encouraging to see our defence keep a clean sheet and we used Scott Bain a lot in the game, I thought. He looked very comfortable receiving the ball at his feet and he spread it out to defence to build up again. It reminded me of his time under Brendan Rodgers in goal. Shane Duffy should take great confidence from his performance as the players continue to answer Neil Lennon's critics after that first half in performance in Lille they kicked on again on Sunday. All eyes are now on Sparta Prague's visit to Celtic Park on Thursday where we'll be expecting more of the same from the boys. The only downside will be we'll still be cheering the boys on from our sitting rooms. 
Wouldn't it be great if the new boys could get a taste of how a full stadium rocks in the Glasgow Dark under disco lights? Steve Walford won the FA Cup as a player with Arsenal. He also played for Spurs, West Ham and Norwich during his playing career. As a coach, he's been ever present by Martin O'Neill's side in the dugout, from Wigan Wanderers to the Irish national team and of course at Celtic, where he won seven medals in Glasgow and was part of that great period in Celtic's history. Hi Steve, you're very welcome to the Celtic Soul podcast. How has life been for you during these strange times of COVID-19 and football without fans? It's been strange, obviously, because, uh, well, it's a different life, isn't it, really? But uh, my life ain't really that changed because I don't go out a lot anyway anymore, so I'm just sitting at home like I normally do. The quiet life? Quiet life, absolutely quiet life. Just uh, sit about, walk the dog when I can and uh, just chill. And Steve, Steve you, had a, you had a recent knee operation. How are you recovering from that? Yeah, I'm coming. It's, it's good. It's good. It's, it'll be two weeks tomorrow since I've had it done. So, um, yeah, it's, it's progressing good. Plenty of painkillers. Yeah, plenty of painkillers. Steve, Salik seems to be finding some good form again after a bumpy road. It's walking out for Liam Lennon now. You walked with him as a player. Uh, you were also part of his backroom staff at, at Bolton. The pressure is immense in, in the goldfish bowl that is Glasgow. How does Neil Lennon, you know, how does he switch off from all this scrutiny and, and prepare the teams for all these competitions? Well, I mean, it's it, it, it's really be difficult for him, but uh, I know Neil very well and he's a real good football man. Uh, he knows the game really well. He knows players really well. I think he has a good, good relationship with his players and I think they all want to do really well for the club. And I think... I, I think he's doing really well, especially in the circumstances over the last few weeks where he's lost a lot of key players, uh, played some big games. Not really, not really. I watched a couple of games, didn't really play that great, but didn't really play bad enough to, uh, especially the old firm game. I don't think I think Rangers were look, look more dangerous, but I don't think it was a, it, it was closer than everyone says it was. If you understand what I mean, I don't think they were that brilliant. Well, I suppose you you were involved in so many. You know, derbies where it was tackle after tackle, end to end stuff. And, you know, for, for us watching on our sofas and not being able to be at the game is bad enough. But I've never seen such a placid performance. Um, it was missing, it was missing the, the, you know, the rough and tough that we normally get. Yeah. I, I actually think that the, the um, like lack of crowd would, would affect that without a, start, without a doubt. The lack of crowd at, at, at one of them. Because uh, the noise at one of them games is, is just unbelievable. And that, that 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 gets the hairs on the back of your neck going, sort of thing. So it was fantastic being a being part of it as a as a coach, but like actually planning it, I would have loved it, you know. But yeah, the first the first one, uh, Steve, that you were involved with was uh, I think the six two. Yeah, yeah. Does anything prepare you for for the atmosphere walking out that day? No, <laughs> no, I can't say no, no, I, um, no, not at all. I'd, like I knew, I'd, obviously, I'd, I'd watched loads and loads of them down south on the TV and the noise, and it's not the same. No, no, when you go out there and the noise, and especially when when there's a goal scored, and it, it, you know, it's nothing like that I've never experienced in your life. For us, anyway, in the stand, I was in the jock stand that day up high, and it was like the atmosphere was just, it was as if, you know, it was a huge statement that was being sent out, you know, we're back. Because with, well, with the exception of the '98 season, Steve, you know, we'd had a barren time. I know, I know. It was, uh, it was, it was one title in what, twelve years. Yeah, I know. I know. It, it was. It, it, 
when we went up there, we knew it was going to be really tough because the Rangers were a dominant team and they had a really good players, to be fair. They had a lot of really good top players. And we knew it was going to be tough, but we, we had some good players as well, so, so it helped. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And, and in that game, even like... But even when you look back at that game, like, we all talk about the goals and that, but... No, oh, Bobby Petter on the wing that day, he was unplayable. No, he, he started the season... That, that, that season, he was brilliant, Bob. I mean, like, playing as a wing-back as well, because he, he couldn't tackle... Well he, well, he couldn't tackle, put it that way, so... So on that side of it, he 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 done really well for us in that season. We look back at we look back because the, the season before, like Bobby was hiding on the pitch. Stan Petrov, we didn't really, he was playing as a full back. And yeah. it was just, you know, and all of a sudden we seen these players. So, you know, we were putting it down to coaching staff and, and the leadership of man. Because yeah. this was these were different players on the pitch. Well the, the like like obviously the new manager comes in, it gives everybody everybody a fresh start and Obviously, we, we, Stan, Stan was a midfield player. We knew that he was just being played out of position the season before. So, so he was a, he was a top quality midfield player. Even we saw that at early age. And and Bobby, Bobby just he flourished under 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 Martin at first because of um, Martin loved people to take people on and, that, and whatever you say, Bobby could do that. Oh, of course he could. Martin brought in a lot of post tough players. He brought in hard. Ma- had men on the park, Big Sutton, Tomo, Neil Lennon, like this. We had felt that we had been bullied by, by Rangers over many years, and all yeah. of a sudden, and big, big juice came in as well in the Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did, yeah, he give him some credit. He was a good player. Yeah, yes, but, yeah, really good player. Yes, but all of a sudden, Steve, we've got, we've now got, you know, a team that can match Rangers physically as well as in talent. And as you said, they had a great team. Were you surprised when you came in a little success that team had had? Yeah, there was quality throughout the team. You, you know, there was Stan, Lubo, Henrik. Oh, Lubo, Lubo, Lubo's a different class. Jesus Christ, man, yeah. What player he was. He should have, he should have played for one of the best, like any team in the world he could have played for, Lubo. Fantastic player. So so what was your first impressions when you, you got on the, on the training pitch with I just couldn't mind. Who's that bloke like? You know, I didn't even know he was, but he was like unbelievable. He, he, I didn't know what foot he could kick with. I don't know what his best foot was. And like like his vision and his ability, it was just fantastic. I thought he was brilliant. And he was a really good bloke, you know, Lou, but really good lad. When you go back in for your, you know, your coaching meetings, because it's well documented that you were very instrumental in the week-to-week training and coaching of the team, along with Robbo. And Martin played the, the the more match day role. That's that's what we're led to believe anyway. What well, was the conversation like with, with the with the with the you know with the the coaching team about what you had there and, and what needed to, to change? Well we, we we just went in for we got a good 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 group of players here. And we we thought they were a really talented group of players and like we'd like you say with a few additions we bought, we thought we can have a real go at this and like and get some belief into them players. That, that, come on, we can, we can, we can, we can go all the way. Here. We can, we can take Rangers all the way here. because it seemed like there was a kind of like maybe, yeah, all right, yeah, we're okay, but like maybe a different mindset of them. I don't know. I don't know. The players we brought in obviously were uh, like Sati was a uh, was a bit of a loony, but. <laughs> 
<laughs> he was definitely, definitely a winner. Le- Neil Lennon was a winner. He's a winner. Jos was strong boy. And also one of the things we've done, we, we pushed, uh, uh, Mialbi played more centre-half than, than uh, midfield as well. And he was a good defender, Mialbi. Big job. Yeah, he was indeed. Playing, he was playing a lot, of, a lot of games in midfield when we first arrived. And we thought, no, no, he's not really a midfield player. We put him at the back sort of thing. He became a good good player for us at the back. See, see when you're like you're dealing with a player like an international player like Mialbi, he's playing in the middle, and you know, and you're telling them right, this is this is the role I want to play. Are they are they all buying into it, or do you have to get a couple of results before they start buying into the philosophy? Well, I think they bought into it quite quite early doors because we were getting the results at the same time. So uh, we changed the formation for a start. We play three at the back, three centre backs, which. Everybody's raving about nowadays, but we, we were doing it all them years ago with wing-backs and midfield players and playing two up front. So the formation was different from, from what they were used to, uh, and they bought into that straight away. We, had, we were playing with, we'd like to say, Bobby Petter and Jackie Mack, first of all, on one side as wing-backs, and then we brought Didier Gatting, who was like, he was like an Olympic sprinter sort of thing, and... He was on, and so we were playing with not not fullbacks. Where Rangers were playing a similar style, a similar sort of style, but it was kind of like the three-four-three uh, Dutch version, uh, which which was going about a lot then. But we we played it at Leicester. We played three centre backs at Leicester, so we just carried on bringing that formation to to Celtic because we thought that suited the players that we had to made us stronger through the middle, and 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 we could deliver from the side. So. And we just, with the players that we had at Celtic, we thought we'd, we'd, we'd continue with that formation. Yeah, you mentioned Didier Gattel. What a sign. He turned out a bag and he yeah. turned out to be. No, he did. Without a doubt, um, Didier was uh, one of the worst trainers I'd ever seen in my life. Uh, you, you used to watch him train, you think, you can't play football, you? And then he'd go out on a Saturday and he was unbelievable. He was, like, he was just brilliant for us. So, without naming names, Steve, just just you just tipped on something there. You know, he didn't look great in training, but he, he was great on match day. Was there, was there any players who were the reverse that you saw on the training pitch and then just couldn't couldn't not take uh, on match day? Not 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 to that degree. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> not to, no. no. I, I'm, I'm going to spring forward, and I will go back yeah, go to, to that time at Celtic. Um, Shane Duffy's been criticised a lot in the media and even by a section of the Celtic support for performance in, in recent games since he came up. Now, he had a solid performance on Sunday and, you know, Celtic didn't concede. Now, Martin O'Neill has come out and backed Shane Duffy. You walked with Shane with all yeah. He's had the loss of his dad on top of, you know, all the scrutiny now that goes with, you know, playing in Glasgow. Is he the type of person that forced you? Can he deal with, you know? And what what qualities are we get are we going to get from Shane this season? Yeah, first of all, yeah, without a doubt, I'm sure. Uh, well, no, Shane would be able to deal with if everything that's gone on. I would have it would have been a shock for even Shane with all the going into Glasgow and all, even though there's no support there, but outside the city and in the city, the the scrutiny come under. Uh, but Shane's a good, honest, strong footballer. Really, really decent. He's a good defender. Sometimes he goes to ground too early, which he, he knows. He wants to learn. He, he's, he's good. He's always asking questions about 
you know, can he do this better? Can he do that better? And the spotlight's on him because he's 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 come to Celtic from the Premier League. And uh, but I, no, I've got no doubts he'd be a successor. He came in, I suppose he wasn't in the first team with Ireland uh, until the, the Italian game at the Euros, and he, like he was he was he was brilliant that night. Yeah, he was he was there and thereabouts. Uh, obviously, um, uh, we started uh, started with uh, I think it was Clark and Keo, no Clark and Shazy. For the for the first two games, and then Ryan changed it all around for the for the Italian game and brought him in, and he was he was he was uh, immense that game. Um, I think did he bring James McCarthy in that um, game as well? No, I think James has started started. Uh, I, I, I might be wrong, but I thought James started the games. I thought after the Belgium game, maybe that. Um, I thought well, maybe Matt Martin changed, we, we, changed, it, changed it up a bit. We definitely left out a few after the Belgian game. We left out a few. We left out the two centre-halves. I think Glenn Whelan was left out. He was, yeah. And he definitely brought in big Daryl Murphy up front. Another farmer, Sadik boy. Yeah, I know he was. Yeah, I know. Uh, did bring in big Daryl. And the, the, yeah, he did change it about. And it obviously worked for the Italian game and the, and, the, and the French game to a degree because we the Irish team played really well in that game. Yeah, I was I was I travelled to that tournament and it was it, it was just a brilliant experience and but yeah. um Leon isn't a happy city for us. It's not you know the Boba Ball, the handball and Oh no don't talk about Ireland go now and you know uh, it, it's never been was, uh, the only bonus was when we went to see Ireland there, the weather was beautiful. But when we went, I think it was the coldest I ever was at a football game that night. And then with the Bobo handball, and it must have been devastating in, in, in the dressing room after that one. Yeah, no, that was that was that was devastating. Put it that way, because uh, we played really not well that night. I remember played really well, and uh, that was well horrible. But then. Uh, no, not a good place for us then. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring some good memories back because uh, there was an unforgettable night when you were involved with the Irish setup when Shane Long scored the goal against Germany. Right. And it seemed the whole of Dublin was dancing that night. It was the Germans were just so good. They, they were like, they were spreading passes across the the pitch, yeah. and, and and then we just get the break and we take it, and it's. The, the, I remember the pictures the next day in, in the papers, and my son is behind the goals. I was I was in a different stand, and you know it was just it was as if that you know you lifted the whole nation, and we don't get too many results like that. You know that's kind of up there, like when 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 we when we beat your homeland England in Stuttgart. There's just certain games that will stick out over different generations, and and for for my son's generation, that was certainly it. And then we kicked on, as we said, and we went to the Euros. But what I want to ask you, Steve, when you're a club coach, you're on the pitch with the boys every day. Management and coaches, they can they know what's needed in the team and they can bring players in. They can buy players. International football, you know, Ireland wouldn't have the biggest pool of players to play from. But one thing I've always said is everyone that puts the Ireland jersey on, they give 100%. But when you come into a setup, like an international setup for the first time, um, Steve, how hard is it? To you know, because you've only got a small window to coach these players into the system that you want to play. It's very difficult. Um, I think I think the hardest hardest thing is set plays, uh, set pieces for and against, because week in week out defensively, players are doing the same thing. 
and then they come come somewhere else for a I don't know a week or something, and somebody else might want to change the way they defend at corners and free kick what they're not used to, and or what the 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 teams that they play for set up a different way that I would want them to defend. So that that I found that the hardest thing. Uh, at the international, where where if they're doing it week in, you do things week in, week out. Week, it's just second nature, and then you come away for, and you're expected to do something in and something different, and and they can switch off pretty quickly, and not not realise what they're doing, and they should be doing something else or thinking about what they do at their club. That that was the hardest thing, changing from what they do week in week out to try and do something else or play a different way that uh, Martin wanted to, to do Ireland. That was very difficult. Yeah, were you surprised there? Were you surprised, Steve, when when the gaffer, as, as the players would call him, and you would call him Martin, were you surprised when he went into international football? A little bit. Yeah, a little bit, because I still think he had a lot more to offer um, club football, but I suppose it was a good chance for him to to pit, pit his wits against the best coaches in the world. So... I think on that side, he just thought, yeah, I'll have a go at this. And obviously with the, the pool of Ireland. So I was a bit surprised at first, yeah. I wasn't. I want a bit, want a bit where when he brought Keane in. Because he, like, he, I don't think he, had he walked it right before? No, only, only on the punditry on TV. I think that's the only time he worked with it. And what, 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 what was it like when, when you started walking with him? Because obviously you're, you're a veteran on the training pitch and, and you know, Roy is, um, although he had the Sunderland job, he's, he's relatively young, young in, in, in coaching, especially international level. Yeah, he, he was okay. I mean, Roy, Roy, Roy um, he, I think he liked to do, do a bit of the training, but so I didn't want to tread on his toes too much. But if there was anything needed to be done, needed to be done, then I would do it. Uh, regarding the team team shape and uh, defensive stuff and attacking stuff. And, but so we got on all right that way, where I would do the basics, what you would call of setting the team up, which I've been doing for years. I'm going to move back back to Celtic. We spoke there briefly earlier that, you know, when you arrived at the club, you were aware of the challenge. But were you aware of the expectation of the fans and the pressures that come with being in Glasgow, where second place is... <laughs> It's no good. After after about <laughs> uh, two days, three days, I realised it. Yeah, but no, not at first. Obviously, from afar, you know it's a it's, it, it, you know it's a huge rivalry. But until you're in it and you're up there, you don't know how huge it is. And, and it's like no, you know, seconds no good. And before oh, you, we might get we might get a little go at this and give us a little chance before. Um, we do win the league, but no, no, you're up there and you're up and running straight away. It was kind of like you're, you're in it, and and it's a disaster if if um, if one of them loses, one of the old firm team loses. It's like a disaster. And I remember after uh, the the first game we played Dundee United away, and Saturday gets the winner, and I think Martin was asked after the game by a reporter if 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 uh, we'd not have won it would would is at the end of the league sort of thing, you know? And you think, well, we've only played one game. <laughs> uh, but that was kind of like the, the, the thing that was said to him. And I don't think, I think that took Martin by surprise as well. So, but no, you realise straight away it was, wow, this is uh, this is pretty intense. Yeah, like I, I, I always remember Martin coming out 
um, when he arrived to, to greet the fans, and, and yeah. he, he said he would do his best, you know, to to bring success to the club, and, and he certainly did. Um, I don't think when he stood on the steps then, you know, that we would have thought of the you know the journey we were going to go on, because the full season to to, to win a treble, it's it's eluded so many managers as Celtic. You know, and yeah, man, absolutely. I think it was the force since Jock Steen to do it. Yeah. So, like, Shots. yeah, that, that whole season must have been just... Because when I speak, to, like, it must have been such a good place to be because as fans, it was a great place. But when I, I've interviewed a good few of the players from that team and they all call Martin the gaffer, you know. They yeah. speak very highly of you and Robbo. There seemed to be a togetherness on and off the pitch. Yeah, there was. Without that, the, 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 the spirit of the, the, the team was brilliant. It's brilliant. Um, everyone was just going for it for, for each other. They were just, just, yeah, it was unbelievable spirit. Yeah, because I done a, I done a live show with, um, with Big Chris Sutton at the tail end of last season. Um, I bet you never thought he'd walk in the media. No, <laughs> no I didn't. No. <laughs> and, and and I brought something up about Martin O'Neill. You know about being a bit more of the manager and used doing the coaching and that. And he cut me in half. You know, he wouldn't have it. He was defending his manager. Like, and Tomo has done the same. I was out in Asia with Tomo. We were doing a couple of spoken word events, and uh, he he's been the same. Like you can't say a bad word about uh, yourself or Robbo or, or Martin O'Neill to these players. No, no, because whatever, whatever, the, 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 they were treated really well and treated like 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 men. And uh, it's just well, I can't can't put my finger on it, but it's, it's the man management side of things. Where you treat the players really well and they respect that and and respond. Some do, some don't, but ones we had did. Now, you, you said that man management because uh, that was a word that was bandied around a lot um, when Martin O'Neill came in. You know, he was the type of manager that would put his arm around the shoulder, you know, because some of these players had maybe not played too well oh, the, the year before. Was that part of Martin's style, you know, to, you know, to, to manage each player individually? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you'd. Martin would he'd give him a rocket as well. Don't worry about that if he didn't think they were doing well enough. He individually and as a group. So And what if they were enjoying themselves a little too much after Parry? Oh no. Well, he would he would cut down on that, uh, if they were, but they weren't bad then, boys. They weren't bad. We had worse at Leicester. Don't worry about that after Park. And they, they were a good bunch of boys as well who worked worked their socks off. So you don't mind them working in like at the right time. Enjoy letting their air down and enjoying themselves as long as they're doing it on the, on the pitch on the Saturday. That's that's a, what we thought anyway. Well, that's what I did anyway, and manager did as well. And did you did you like? I suppose when when that season was over, when that fourth season was over, and reflect like you know you go off on your holidays and that you know and you're kind of like are you thinking you know this is this was easier than we thought. Or, you know, mm. now we need, Rangers are going to up the game and we need to improve and we're going into the Champions League. That was a big thing going into the Champions League. Uh, that was really, really tough. After the end of the season, we we didn't, it, it kind of like went a long, long uh, end of season before we started again. So it was kind of not very long. And then you think, right, we're off again now. We've got to carry on doing what we've done last year. And if not better, because we knew that the Rangers are going to improve or try to to catch us this time, like you know. And I think the players, to be fair to them, were, were, were really focused anyway. They weren't like, it's, oh, yeah, we won it. Let's, let's just chill out and relax. No, we want to do it again. I think they had that attitude as well. 
all through our time up there, I don't think there was anyone at fault. Now we've done our bit. Now let it, you know, let yeah. them catch us if they can. We'll beat them anyway. But no, they weren't like that. There was a group of players that were hungry and wanted to do it again and wanted to wanted to win the thing again, like you know, and do well in Europe. So, Steve, I'm going to take it up again now, right? We spoke about the Champions League, the, the Juve away game. We were robbed. And it's kind of a game maybe we don't look back at as much, so much because we, we, we were beaten on the night. But that really showed us that we, you know, we had the nucleus of a team to compete in Europe. Yeah, we played really well that night. We did play really well. And, yeah, we could, we, yeah, in the belief that we had that we could, because they were, <laughs> it's Juventus, right? You know, and they still had some really top players. But we were robbed. Without a doubt, and that 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 as it ended up, that that point would have took us through the group. So yeah. it was a really tough group. We were also unlucky as well. You know, we finished on nine points, and I think yeah. it was Liverpool finished on seven and got and got out of their group. So we probably were a bit unlucky in Europe. And if I go back to that Juve game, there's two names stick out. I don't know if you remember them. I think it was an Amoruso that, that died for the penalty. So because uh, Amoruso was a name that comes up quite a bit. The, the referee that night was a German and his name was Helmut Krug and I don't know the names of many referees but he sticks out that night because it, it, it was it was Krug the Crook that's what we yeah. were calling him and there was a pride travelling around Europe we don't get too many results away from home in Europe and you know, like we need it if we had to got that one that night God knows what the bounce would have been um, well, it would, would have been a good start but yeah no it was it was really disappointing the whole the whole way that that like I say, the, um, we got the nine points, won the three home games. We just couldn't get anything away from home. And that was really our best chance, I think, that one. Now, another player I want to ask you about, uh, Steve, is you spoke there about Lubo and how talented he was and how much he surprised you. Henry Glasson will, will go down in history as one of the greatest ever Celtic players and, and mm-hmm. coached him. If Henry's having a bad game, you're still expecting him to turn up and do something, you know, pop him a goal or something. So... Like, what was he like to coach? Oh, Henrik was a, he was a joy to work with. I mean, he, he, no complaints, no moans. He just turned up every day and got on with it. And he liked to do his own little bit afterwards, a little bit of finishing. The only thing Henrik didn't like to do is do any defensive work if we're defending corners and free kicks and stuff like that. He'd go in a wall and go in a wide wall, but he didn't feel comfortable about going in and trying to head it in our box away, which considering how good he was in the air, you know, I had to coach him once or twice. So just do little things for us. Just do that for us. Just go on, please. We need you, like, you know. I ain't got nobody else for a start. Uh, but other than that, he was a joy to do anything. You asked him and then you just let him do his thing. Because <laughs> you, can, you can't coach what, what Henrik does. That's an, just a natural thing. His runs, his, the way he finishes. Uh, the, the the way he attacks the ball that's not that's not a, that's a natural thing that is that's no, no coach in the world can do that no. and uh, was he you can try you can try but the player has to be able to do it but he, he was just a natural natural goal scorer now we got a season we got an extra season uh, he extended his, his contract yeah. for a season um, how, how important was uh, Martin O'Neill in, in securing him well, of course. I mean, we, we, no, it was um, obviously the disappointment of 2003, and like, so we got him for another year, and we ended up winning the double again. And I, I actually think he, he he didn't want to leave on a on a. I actually think he wanted to 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 to, to go out on a win, sort of thing. Anyway, you know. 
to to actually win the thing again. And I suppose we said goodbye to him twice, but uh, I I think the most emotional was when uh, it was after I think it was the last league game at Celtic Park because um, I know we played Seville in his testimonial, but I think he'd gone through the emotions of leaving. He was tearful that day. Can you remember him coming into the dressing room after that game and you know like knowing that that was his last competitive you know no. time at Celtic Park? <laughs> you can't remember it, no. No, I can't remember. I can't. Be, be, it was be, one. No, it's just that no. Um, I think I was. Do you know what? There was one that that season. I was doing my pro license, and there was um, a weekend where you was doing a, a residential away. And I don't know if it was with. It was definitely I missed the game. I missed the home game to go over to Holland to to do a residential with the other people that are doing the the, the pro license and doing a, an assessment on Fairnold. It was it was in Fairnold. And I don't know if it was that game I missed, but I definitely missed one home game because we'd already won the league and the manager went, go and go and get it done. Otherwise, I would have had to have done something during, during the summer or the start of the following season. I remember mine saying, go on, go off and, and get it done. Like, you know? So I don't know if it was that game. It might have been. But it might have been. Because that, that wouldn't have been when we got the trophy, would it? I'm not sure. I don't... It may have been. I just, I just remember him coming up to the stand that day, and he was quite emotional because he didn't. I was at the Seville, the the, the testimony again, and it just didn't seem. He, it just felt that he'd gone through his emotions and he'd moved on. But then he moves on, and, and like because while he was in Scotland, and when I speak to the players, uh, and we'll go in a little bit about that in a few minutes, Steve, when we talk about the Seville season. But there was a kind of a disrespect then, of Scottish football, and in particular, and. When you think of it, Celtic and Rangers had, had really good teams then, both got the European finals. But Henrik, you know, he, he goes off and he goes to Barcelona and he does a little stint with Man United, you know. Henrik was capable of playing anyway. Absolutely. Yeah, without a doubt. And he could play the, uh, uh, for anyone, which he proved. He won, a, he won a European Cup with Barcelona. So, uh, yeah, I suppose the, the people down south would say that. But, I mean, a lot of people from down south went up and played up. In Scotland, so before our time, even yeah. So and 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 to be fair, the, the, if they ever met in Europe, the Scottish teams always held their own against the, the English and down south. Always held their own, if I remember rightly. They're always tough games. Steve, I've so, said on this podcast numerous times that you know one of my favourite seasons ever falling in Celtic was was that Sevilla two thousand three. It was just it was just a dream to be. You know, you're in Glasgow the weekend, you're up in Dundee or you're in Aberdeen, but then midweek, you know, you're, you're travelling around Europe by any means possible and there's, there's a hardcore of fans travelling. And we went down to Blackburn and, and it was a bit, you know, it was sweet for us because, you know, to beat Graham Sooners because he'd, yeah. he'd, been, he'd been with Rangers and then to go to Liverpool and to win in Anfield, that was, like most of us had to scrape tickets in the Liverpool end that night, myself and my mates and that, and it was just, it was just a brilliant night. And then Bovista, I spoke to Rob Douglas last week about the relief and people crying in the stands, which just wouldn't have been aware of. But, you know, young men, old men, women, you know, there was so much tears of it, I suppose, relief and enjoyment that night. And then we went to Seville. We didn't get the result, but what a party we had. And when I look back and to think that how close we were to winning the European trophy, and then that Porto team go on and win the Champions League. Yeah, that was kind of like really tough to take that night. Um, 
the way the the the, the Porto played, the way that they fell about, and and, and if you blew on them, they fell over, and, and and the guy goes on there, and he's still managing and still moaning about players falling over, and and uh, just well, I, I, I thought it was absolute disgrace the way they played and try to get our players sent off and booked and just play the game, but. It didn't happen like that. And then they go on the following season, as you say, win, win, win the European Cup. Um, uh, would that have happened if we'd have beat, beat them? Don't think so. Maybe. Don't think so. I don't know. It was just a brilliant run, um, the, the the night, the joy. And then the following yeah. week, then we, we, we lose the league as well. But even though we, we didn't win any trophies that year, we still remain uh, one of the greatest adventures, I suppose, as a fan. For, for, for myself and for so many because when we think back everyone talks about you know the older boys talk about Lisbon but yeah. we, we, we had something to talk about because we had, we'd gone on this amazing run and beaten teams that you know we shouldn't have and there's one goal in particular that sticks out and it's Big John's goal in Vigo yeah. you know yeah. that was that took us to European football for the first time after Christmas in uh, I don't know since the early 80s maybe yeah 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 I remember it well uh, yeah, it was good. Uh, I mean, they, hey, them, them, them ties against all them teams that we played along the way were really tough games, really tough games, and really close games. And and like, like it, 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 it was some achievement to get there. Put it that way, it was some achievement to get there. That was fantastic. It was, yeah, it was a roller coaster ride, but it was, it was an achievement, and and the players were brilliant. Well, Steve, were you aware and was Martin aware of that, you know, it was roughly about 100,000 people had travelled to the city and had taken over the city and the people of the city had taken to the Celtic fans? We, like, I know it must have been, you know, because you're, you're, you're preparing for the biggest game, second biggest game in Europe if you take the Champions League final over and you have to keep the players focused and way aware of you know, what was going on outside. No, not really, no. Um it weren't until you went towards like the night of the game and you went to the stadium and see how many supporters of the like just just green and white everywhere. It was just unbelievable. You just kept the players in a kind of a bubble. Yeah, we was like in a bubble. We knew there'd be there's Celtic supporters everywhere, wherever, ever, anywhere Celtic played. There's thousands of Celtic supporters. We knew that our support would be brilliant, but not as not as many as that. No, not at all. I was lucky enough. I got I got me ticket uh, through the club, but uh, there was so much money changed hands for tickets. It was oh it, it was unreal. Uh, and yeah, I was look. It was it was it was so hard in the end. But Steve, it, like if I had a time machine now and I could take you back to any time, any game during that time at, at Celtic, which one would you like to relive? You know, you're in the dugout. You know, there's decisions to be made with the manager or. You know which which game sticks out as one that you know you were. It's, it was just a brilliant result or a brilliant performance. or it was an individual brilliant. So I think the first Rangers game was the best. I just experienced an old firm game for the first time. And it was just unbelievable. That one. If there was one game I wanted to change. It would have been the last game at Motherwell. Uh, yeah, that was. Um, that's one we don't want to relive. <laughs> well, no, no. No, no, the first, the first round, the first old firm game was wow, unbelievable. And then, then, then maybe the uh, I like the one at Ibrox as well when we we went there as champions and won three 0 And Lubos, Lubos got a couple and it was kind of like kind of, that was quite 
quite special as well. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're, you're bringing me back now to, to some some great days as well. Can you remember, um, like, we speak about goals, obviously Henrik's in the 6-2, when he nutmegs and, you know, and then chips, chips, class. Uh, uh, one that stands out, we we done a, a kind of a little video of goals for a night we were having for a supporters club. And Tom was one of the guests and I think Big John was there and we put a collage of a couple of the goals. But Tomo's goal, um, he, he he takes he takes from way outside the box, and the ball just kind of kind of just bends up into the corner of Klaus's, uh into the corner of the goal, like and like Tomo was a bit of a you know he got sent off against Rangers, he he was uh, and then he would score these goals. Was he hard to handle? No, Tomo Tomo wasn't hard to handle at all. He was he was he was uh, he was a bit stupid. At times, especially on the pitch, he would make some stupid decisions. But no, no, he was a good lad, Tom. I like yeah, him. Yeah, he speaks very highly of yourself. Yeah. Man. And anyway, he loved his, he, you know, he loved his time myself, like, as a, as a lot of the players did then. Because as we said earlier, there was it just seemed to be a great camaraderie, and you know, there was very few leaks from the dressing rooms back then. I think. No, 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 it was great, 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 great bunch of players. Really good. And everyone said, I mean, well, you have to have that if you win things. You have to have a, a camaraderie and like, a spirit where everybody pulls together and there's no one that... You have to have that if you're going to if you're going to achieve anything in a, in, a, in a football club. You have to have that and go for all the, all the, all the players, the staff. Everyone has to be on the same, same page and you're always going for it. And it, 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 that's how it has to be. Otherwise, you don't win. You don't win things. And is it... You know Martin O'Neill better than most. We were told that, you know, Martin controlled the club from Dermot Desmond down to, to the fans, you know, he, he you know, to the, the, the ground staff, to the cleaning staff, to, you know, Angie, to whoever was around the club, Martin, you know, Martin seemed to have, he seemed to have everybody, you know, thinking his way. Yeah, yeah, that's just the way that, that, that we work. We tried to involve everybody who was involved with a football club, with like uh, Angie, God rest her soul, but everyone, grand staff, groundsmen, big Johnny A's, all everyone. It was just kind of like we're all in this together, guys. And I think Martin, Martin produced a little little bonus scheme for them. And if the team were doing well, then they would pick up a few bob as well, sort of thing, you know. Brilliant. So he, that 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 certainly get you popular. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> I would have thought so, but I mean, he—that's he, how mine was. He would—he would work like that with all, all the clubs we was at. We'd kind of like. As they, they, we spoke there about, you know, obviously this is this is this is a Celtic, you know, podcast, and we spoke about Ireland to my national team. But can you take us back, Steve, before we wrap up? Just you know, take the listeners back to, you know, when you were growing up and your formative years and getting started as a professional footballer, and then obviously moving on later to become very successful coach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you, I mean, it's a lot different nowadays regarding, I mean, they get everything given to them on a plate nowadays. And, but like, years, like in our day, you, you just played for your local team or your school and then kind of like hopefully you get picked up by somebody and scouted and you go and train there a couple of times a week, which I did, uh, a couple of evenings a week. And, and then they give you, if you were good enough, they give you an apprenticeship. Which I don't think I don't think that works anymore nowadays. I was on eight quid a week, which 
And well, you got your bus fare as well. So, <laughs> was that what Tottenham? Yeah, yeah. So I was on eight quid a week, and, and it went up. No, it went up to ten when I was seventeen, and then I signed pro just after it. And so it worked out that you you got all your digs money and your 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 travel expenses, and you got ten quid a week in your hand for pocket money. And then they give me a professional contract, I think, for 30 quid a week where I had to find all my digs money and all my uh, uh, travelling, my bus fares and all that to get to work. And so I think I was worse off. And I think they actually put the, 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 the apprentice money up to, to 15 and 20 when I signed the contract to go to 30. So I think I would have been on 20 quid plus me expenses anyway. <laughs> I lost out on that one. I lost out on a lot of them. Don't worry about that. It was a time when it's not like nowadays where footballers, even at that age, they, they get offered fortunes, like, you know, before they've even left school. They, they get off, get deals where they're just banking on them to actually become a footballer and, and, and earn them some money or, or do really well for them football clubs, like the top teams in the Premiership and all that. Down here, they wouldn't like to think what they pay out on, on uh, Youth Academy. Which is a shame because it, then it stops. It stops. Sometimes it stops the fight in a player to actually want to be a player. Yeah. Right? If, you, if, you, if you get things too early, too quick, then then maybe you think, well, well, well I've got. Yeah, well, if I've got to run that extra 10, 10 yards, oh, if I've got to do that for, I've got to make that tackle. I might get hurt. You know, I'm still earning me money. So that, that I don't, hey, we've all got opinions on it. Mine's sometimes I can be a bit cynical and think. They shouldn't yeah. be getting that. They, this age, they should be fighting for it and working for it. It's like it's like players nowadays. You, you, they play two games for the club in the Premiership, and then they're international players. Where when I played, I mean, you, the international players, you, you weren't an international unless you played hundred games in the Premier League or in the, well, the top league. When I played, they weren't the Premier League. You know, it comes yeah. too easy, too quick, in my view. I, I wouldn't change it though. Not, not the way that I'd change the money I would have earned yeah but not the way that that I grew up and played football it was a good era but is that a, no that's not not era era so you mentioned that right and, and, and as a coach I'm, I'm going to get your coach's head on here yeah go on like the likes of Man City yeah, and I just mm-hmm. use Man City as an instance right they now have the money to, to take all the best young players we've had a couple up on loan and, and we know of young Frimpong like we've had Paddy Roberts up and loan twice. Yeah. And we yeah. had the, the big centre half. Um, oh, I can't think of his name. He's playing He's playing Champions League level now, anyway. And, but they did, They never got a look in. At, um, I think Jason Denoyer is the, is the name. They never got a look in at, at Man City. And there's a young Irish keeper gone over from Shamrock Rovers. And there's a lot of you know press about him and saying, you know. But he's over there probably with five other keepers. Because they're hoping that one of them will come true. And I know it's going to give them a good grounding because they'll be coached well and that to maybe go and, and play with, you know, other good clubs. But do you think it's killing it that all these kids have been taken to one club and, you know, there's, whereas, you know, is it taken away from maybe they'd have a better chance if they went to a club that wasn't as big as Man City? Uh, there's the pull because everybody's got the ambition as a kid or, or, or the belief, yeah, I'm going to go there and, and get in the football team. but. It, it's a lot harder and they have to be exceptional to get through nowadays at that level. Even the boy um, that, that 
at Manchester City, Phil Foden, that he's, he's an England international. He don't play every week. No, no. In I'd want to play every week at that age. I think at a certain age you, you get to and you think, well, I, I want to play football now. Well, you should want to play football, whatever age you are. You don't really want to be, I'll play next week or the week after. You should want to play. And I know it's different nowadays. There's a lot more games and there's a lot more rotation going on. But in my time, if you didn't, if you didn't play, in my case, if I didn't, I didn't want to be there. I wanted to, I wanted to go and go and play somewhere. I just wanted to play in in my early age. And maybe I, maybe I shouldn't have. But I think players that are these top clubs now, they get everything put on a plate for them. The facilities that they use are unbelievable. And so it is a real, if and when they do leave them clubs, a real culture shock. And and it, it, it'd be interesting that somebody would do it anyway. Over the years, the amount of money they spent on these teams, I mean, you're talking about Chelsea now start to pay a few more of their, their kids in the team. Man City, they, 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 them two teams have been competing for the, the, the top cup down here, the youth cup, for years. Uh, for the last year, it'd be interesting to see out of all them players that have played in them games and come through. So now, God knows what, say five years, how many of them actually progressed and where they've gone to and what they're playing now, what level of football they're playing now. I mean, it's like Liverpool played a kid on, on, on Saturday. The twenty in his debut for Liverpool, twenty three. I mean, that's that's quite an old age to make your debut as a as a kid, uh, like a full debut as a as, as a kid in the in the Premier League. Uh, yeah. well, they're not kids. I, I actually wouldn't think call him a kid. I mean, at twenty three, I was married with two kids, and uh, so I weren't a kid then myself. Like you know, so I wouldn't call him a kid. But that's that's what seems to happen nowadays. You, the, the younger kids or younger players don't get caught. They, they play this under-23 league, which is nonsense. It's rubbish, in my view. I mean, they, they're not playing against men. So then they come up against men in the real league and they get found out. Or they can't cope. Or it's too strong. Or, I, I don't know. They're trying to change things everywhere. It's been going for Don't get me on my um, old old or whatever about all the, the kids stuff because I, I, I don't... Really agree with it. What's going well, on? They're trying to take tackling out of the game now. You know, the what? Tackling seems to be. You know, I mean, he's a talented boy. He was a talented boy. But where is he now? Where is he? Middlesbrough. He was last season. It's like uh, 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 another one. Scott Sinclair. He was a young kid at, uh, at Chelsea. Started at Chelsea. Went out on loan at different places. Done really well at Swansea. Ends up going to Manchester City, not getting a kick. And he goes to Celtic, does really well for a yeah, couple of seasons. Especially the fourth season, he was at Stanford. Absolutely, done, done brilliant. Because he's, he's, whatever you say, he's got talent. He's got talent. He can beat people and he can score a goal. But he ends up now playing at Preston, with no disrespect. That's not like where you expect of him to have been playing with his potential at a certain age. And even after what he'd done up, up at Celtic, you know? Yeah, there's another player just just because Martin's team was was I always say it was a team of men, and it would have been hard for you know youth players to to break into the team. But Aidan McGeady broke in on the yeah. man. Sean, uh, McG- Sean Maloney, we gave him his debut. Little Sean, 
Aidan was, I'll tell you what, Aidan was, um, what can I say? If he had, uh, if he was a yard quicker in pace, he would have been whatever he wanted to be. He, he had that, that such, his, his ability was so natural. His feet were really good. He could beat a player for fun. And like, if he just was a bit, no disrespect to him, because I think he's a good player anyway. But he was, I don't know what he's doing now, Aidy. But I, I thought he was a good player. But if he'd have been a bit, just a touch quicker to get away from somebody once he's done his trick and then burst, he would yeah. have been a top, top, top player. Because that, that and that's that is something you can't you, you can't teach what Aiden had, that is natural. That ability is natural. He's he's moving. He worked on it himself and he, he as a kid, he always had that. Steve, is it true that um he became a winger when he moved up to the senior soccer team? Was he was he playing a more central role or was he playing I, I honestly thought he was always a winger. Yeah, because it just something he said in a recent interview. He was saying something in a recent interview about you know that he really started to play on the wing and get into the force. He might, to be fair, he might have at a younger age played through the middle, but we always saw him as a winger. We brought Joe Kennedy on as well. Remember that? That's right. Really, yeah, and he got that horrific injury. Yeah, playing for the national team. We played. He played. I think he played. We played Barcelona away. You'll have to check this, but I'm sure it was Barcelona away. I think he played left back. Yeah, he played then, in Barcelona, yeah. Then we played Rangers on the Sunday at Ibrox and won. Then there was the international greatness when he'd done his knee. I'm sure it was that. He so was in the dressing room at Ibrox and he got the call up and we was all delighted for him. And I think he'd done his knee that international break. And, and another player I almost forgot about that came in was, was David Marshall. Yeah, Marsh. he done well. His, his performance when, when he played at, at the new camp was like, well... It was just that was just something else. But no, he's done brilliant. He's done he's done really well for us, Marsh. I mean, he the young kid, he was in and out, and he's gone on to really obviously make a really good career. But you know, he was brilliant, Marsh. Yeah, it was it was it was just uh, when you, when you think of all the senior players that were there, but it's only when you start talking. Yeah. And, you know, all these players that, that did get a chance and, and went on. Yeah. We, great, great Mick careers. McManus, we give, we give Stephen his debut. That's right, yeah. That's uh, Hibbs. It was Hibbs. He would have played Steve. full-back then as well, wouldn't he? He might, be, he, might have start, he might have started that game at left-back, yeah. Yeah, I think he might be right. Yeah. Well, listen, Steve, uh, it's been a pleasure and a surprise because I only got in contact with you, you know, recently and you came back fairly quick because sometimes it takes me a few weeks to get these interviews over the line. I'm just going to leave where, uh, you know, we spoke about all these great games and you mentioned the new Camp the following season after Seville when we knocked Barcelona out yeah. of, of the Europa or the UEFA Cup as it was then. Um, I don't think I had any nails left that night up high in the new Camp. That was certainly one of the ones that I was I was looking to the heavens for because they, they bombarded us that night and we just defended so well. Yeah, it was one of them games where... I think we had one shot and one goal, and it, it was kind of like, oh, and yeah, no, it was. It was a great time for us as fans, and uh, you know, it was a great time for us as a, as a as a coach, as me as a coach out there. I thoroughly enjoyed all my time out there. It was fantastic, and, and it's been uh, wonderful to um, relive some of the, some of that moments today. And, and as I said, it was it was great to to be in, in Leon um, or in in Lille the night we. Tonight, Ireland beat Italy and all those great Celtic memories we have. So, uh, 
thank you so much for coming on to the show and, and bearing yourself Thanks. so to us. It's a pleasure, son. Really enjoyed it. Thanks a lot. And Steve, just wish you a speedy recovery there with the knee and hopefully we'll see you back in the dugout soon. No, I don't know about that, but yeah, thanks very much. Are you going to retire now? Uh, I don't know, is the answer. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see how I go. Well, we'll keep an eye on that, Steve, and uh, hopefully we'll talk again maybe. And if you're ever in Glasgow, maybe we'll get you into one of the live shows. Yeah, I've I've, I've been... um, I said to, to Neil, I'll come up and see him when I'm fit and ready and this whole world has got back to normal as, as it can. So I will do that and give you a shout. Cheers, Steve. You're a gentleman. Right, Thank mate. you so much. What a gentleman Steve is. It's always great to get an insight into that fantastic period in Celtic's history when we all marched with O'Neill. Great times running around Scotland and throughout Europe following the boys. Win, lose or draw, we were there. And what a journey it was. Issue 111 of More Than 90 Minutes is now available on our digital platform. You can download it now from our website, CelticFanzine.com. You can also order the print edition, which is now at the printers, and will be delivered to us on Thursday, and we will get it straight out in the post to all the subscribers and everybody who pre-ordered. Thank you very much. The new t-shirts and hoodies will be delivered to us on Friday, and again, we'll get them straight out in the post, and thanks to all those who pre-ordered. As always, thanks to my good pal Ronan McQuillan for producing the show and to all of you for listening. It's hard to believe almost 20,000 people have listened to the show since we launched back at the end of May. If you like what we're doing and you would like to support us, you can do so by visiting CelticFanzine.com where you can become a member, subscribe, buy or donate for the price of a point. We promise no unwanted Google adverts on our website and no unwanted advert interruptions on our podcast. We're keeping it real and we're keeping it independent. Your support will help us to continue to produce quality, independent fan journalism, podcasts, video content, free live events. And don't worry, if you're not in a position to financially support us and give us a little donation at this time, don't worry, we will still deliver the same quality content to all fans free. Don't forget to download the app, that's free too, and you'll have access to all our podcasts, articles, daily news, video and info on upcoming events, the fanzine and our online shop, all at the touch of a button on your phone or tablet. All episodes of the podcast are now available on all platforms, so don't forget to hit the subscribe or follow button and you'll never miss an episode. Once again, thanks to our episode sponsor, Orange Skipper. Big shout out to Eugene. He's been supporting us from issue one of the fanzine and now continues to support through the podcast. If your business or Celtic supporters club like the podcast and would like to become a sponsor, please email us at info at celticfanzine.com. You can also contact us through the website or message us on social media. Folks, keep all the suggestions coming in for what guests you would like us to have on the show and we reach out to them and we have a couple of great guests lined up over the next couple of months. And as always, keep your comments in. Here's just some of the comments that came in. Keep up the good work, Andrew. Really enjoying these podcasts. Believe it or not, I had never listened to a single podcast before this COVID shite started. One of the only positives from it, perhaps. Cheers, Union Timmons. Average Joe Miller, another class interview. These podcasts are a must for all Celtic supporters. That came in from Tony Ratton. Kieran Kenny, great listen as always. Dave Lyons and Cork. Average Joe Miller, the Celtic punk. Cracking Sunday morning listening. Glasgow's Green and White. Old School Stuttgart. Average Joe Miller, absolutely pleasure to hear. I was lucky enough to be in Lille when Robbie Brady scored versus Italy and a trip to McCool's listen to Hank Williams followed by the specials pretty much makes a trip to Glasgow. So it's pretty much what I was needing to hear. Patrick Roberts. Wonderful chat between our main man, Kieran Kenny, and Andrew Millen. I may be biased, 
but I don't think there are many who can articulate the magic of following Celtic as well as Kieran. If we were running the chariot at the moment, I'd expect Bukens to rocket on the back of this. From the Nave Park Celtic Supporters Club Twitter account. Very good podcast with Kieran and Millish. Listen to the memories of the bus and boat. I remember walking around the boat selling the fanzines for you. Kieran Flynn from Drada, St. Margaret Celtic Supporters Club Stalwood. Okay, folks, we'll be back on Friday with episode 39 when another guest will be opening up their Celtic soul to us and we will look back at the game against Sparta Prague and look ahead to Motherwell away when we get back into league action. All I can say is enjoy the rest of the week, stay positive and let's hope Celtic put in another good performance and get the win against the Czech visitors on Thursday. Stay tuned, stay safe and keep the faith. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.